and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is your host, Kevin Folger. We're so glad that you join us today. Today is part three of our conversation with Dr. Carl Boonstra. I think you'll find it fascinating. He's going to be sharing with us uh, in this conversation about uh, the concept of faith promise missions and how that developed in his own life and how God used it to help him to spread it to other independent Baptist churches. Uh, and then he's going to, at the end, give a, a challenge to, uh, to people in ministry to, about faithfulness and just keeping their eyes on the Lord. I think you're going to enjoy this part of it. Thank you again for being here. Uh, sit back and listen to us as we finish our conversation with Dr. Carl Boonstra. Hello, this is Kevin Folger. We want to welcome you back to Labors in the Harvest podcast. And today is our third segment in our conversation with Dr. Carl Boonstra. And we've been listening to him as he sh- shared with us about God working in his life. And of course, uh, Bible college and then uh, going on the staff in Denver and then starting a church. And that's where we picked up uh, or left off our conversation from last week. Brother Boonster, I want to say thank you again for uh, being able to join us this week for this uh, segment of Labors in the Harvest. Brother Folger, thank you so much for having me, and I hope that I'm not boring people with all Oh, no, these are great <laughs> details for sure. So we were talking about your uh, starting this church, Eastside Baptist Church there in Denver, and uh, how long did you pastor that church? I was there almost 17 years. Just and I'm sure during that time years. you built some buildings, bought property, all that kind of thing? Yes, sir. We mm. bought property. Uh, uh, the Lord sent us some wonderful people that were uh, builders, and, and uh, yeah, our church was growing. And we were meeting in that house, had two services. And so anyway, we found a little piece of land. It was uh, just it was east, uh, a little bit south, but east, uh, toward Lowry Air Force Base. But it, at this area, there was still a, a pasture. Mm-hmm. In fact, the matter is, we found this little piece of land, which was about an acre of land, and it was in an L shape. And uh, there was a horses in, a, in the pasture right, right next to that, that particular little piece of land. And then there wasn't even a road through there, but they already knew when we inquired about, about buying the land and found out the road was going to be put through there to extend Iowa from Colorado Board, extend it on east. And that there's going to be a junior uh, uh, elementary school put in right across the street from our property. So that turned out to be a good deal. And so anyway, we got the building built. We built that first A-frame building. And uh, again, had to have two services because of people. And then we uh, and, uh, and then we got into involved in the Air Force Ministry, and that really helped our attendance. Mm-hmm. But then. Uh, and then we had to, we built a second building, and it was a Sunday school addition onto the little first A-frame. 
And we were there for, I don't know, two or three years, well, maybe that, two, couple of years. And then we built our auditorium. It was a 550 seat auditorium, a beautiful building really, set on the corner. And uh, we met in there and we met in there until, until I was in, in, invited to come to Springfield. Okay. So, 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 so you, left, you left the pastor to go and become the director of missions for the Baptist Bible Fellowship. What year was that? That was in 1972 when I went to, Spring, uh, to Springfield. All right. Yeah. All right. Actually, well, when I came there, Brother Bridges was the missions director. Yes. And he was still there when mm-hmm. I came. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he wasn't there too long. Then he, he left for Texas. Okay. But, well, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about missions because uh, that's really a heartbeat that I have because uh, <laughs> we, we got still work to do. The Great Commission is not yet fulfilled. Uh, no, and that's for sure. So, so my understanding is, uh, Brother Boonster, you were kind of instrumental in uh, introducing the concept of faith promise missions to the independent Baptists. Would that be a correct statement? Uh, yeah, not directly, but indirectly, that's true. Right. Among the very first. Well, and let's so, talk a little bit about that. So how, how did that happen? How, what, uh, how did okay. you get, get a hold of this concept? And, and uh, you know, what did God do in your life as a result of it? Okay, so we started, well, first of all, back to the English Baptist Tabernacle, it, it had a missions program, right. and his Brother Springer had also started his own little fellowship at that time, which had about uh, 15 or 20 churches, including Clifford Clark's church in Garden City, so on. But in the meantime, he'd gone to, Clifford Clark had gone to Tulsa. Well, when we, st- when we, st- when we was at the Tabernacle, the church gave 25% of its general fund to missions. Wow. So... So when I started Eastside Baptist Church as a mission from the Inglewood Baptist Tabernacle, it's actually the first Baptist church in Tabernacle. But so anyway, when I started Eastside Baptist Church, we drew up our constitution. Uh, after we had enough people to you know to be able to organize, so we uh, we instituted put fifteen percent for missions. You know, most of back in those days before Faith Promise churches of all kinds, uh, at least Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist, others. 10% was kind of the general rule. Right. You know, you're gen, you gave missions general fund 10%. Uh, that's probably before your time as well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's the way missions was, that's the way missions was, was done. Well, uh, Clifford Clark, who, who, as I told earlier, was a man that was sitting beside, boy sitting beside, beside me the day I got saved, and we were friends all the way until he passed away. Anyway, uh, church had been going for about a year, and uh, maybe maybe just a little more. I get a phone call from Clifford Clark in Tulsa. He said, son, he said, I want you to come down to my missions conference. He said, uh, you need to learn about faith promise. I said, well, what's that? He said, well, he said, this is where you're giving uh, money above your tithes or or you're doing more than your 10% from the church. I said, well, we're doing them 15%. And I said, actually, we've raised it to 20. And I said, you're not doing anything for missions. <laughs> and, uh, and so he said, I want you to come down here now. I went, oh, okay, Clifford. So I went down to Tulsa and had Oswald J. Smith oh, yeah. from Toronto, Canada, sure. of People's Church. And he was Christian Missionary Alliance background. And they were actually the, they were actually the people that that practiced faith promise before we found about it. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, Clifford uh, was a fairly new pastor in that church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and there was a man by the name of 
Oh, well, slipped my mind for a second. He was executive vice president, I think, of Skelly Oil Company, maybe, or Shell, one of the others. And uh, he, he came to Clifford, and he was Southern Baptist. He came to Clifford and said, Son, or, and I didn't say something. He said, if you want God to really bless your ministry, he said, you've got to introduce faith promise to your people. And so he, he said, my church doesn't do it. And they said, I said, I'd like, to, I'd like to have a church in town here that really would launch out. And he told about Oswald J. Smith. And he said, if you'll have him come, I'll pay for it. So the first invitation that Oswald Smith had to Tulsa, to the Tulsa Baptist Temple, was as a result of, uh, of the, the man from the oil company, executive vice. So we go, and this man gets up there and starts talking about it. And, and it sounded like pledging, you know. And man, they've been hammered in our mind from Springer to Frank Norris to everybody else that we fundamental Baptists, we don't pledge. And said, you don't, you don't pledge. We don't do that. Right and so, so anyway, about the middle of the week, I said, Clifford, I said, this sounds like pledging to me. And I said, you know good and well that uh, we don't pledge. I said, it's not pledging. It's a promise. I said, it's a pledge. He said, now oh, listen, son. He said, just keep your mouth shut, but keep your Dutch dander down. So I said, <laughs> and, I said, and I said, just listen. Well, I did, but, but, but before the week was over, I saw that principle. Mm. And so I came back, and on Wednesday, the next Wednesday night at Eastside Baptist, I said, uh, I told him what I had learned about this faith promise. And one of the men that I had won to the Lord, who became a very strong pillar in our Eastside Baptist, Ron Munson is on a Wednesday night, and I was trying to explain faith promise. It's not a pledge, and it's it's by faith. And it's above your tithe, and and uh, and everybody gets involved, so on. And he raised his hand. And he said, "He said, brother Carl, he said, are you and sister Elsa going to do this?" <laughs> Elsa and I had already talked about. It. We decided, yeah, we're we're going to give something above our tithe, personally, you know. And by the way, we're making a big to do about it necessarily. Except I was hoping people would take. He said, "I make a, I make a, uh, I, I vote that we adopt this as principle." Mm. And I said, "Oh, brother Ron, we don't need a motion." And I thought we were going to split the church. <laughs> and so, because I'd hammer, you know, I'd hammer away. We don't pledge around this church. We give ten percent. We don't pledge. And so, <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, I don't know if we have. We never did vote on it that I remember. But we started faith promise. So then I started faith promise conference. And preachers start coming, preachers of Colorado preachers. And so then what little I knew and what I had learned, of course, I kept reading and learning. Uh, then those, uh, those years through the 60s, I guess uh, every independent Baptist church in, in the Colorado area, I mean, not everyone, maybe, but many of them, especially those that were kinfolk and friends of the, of, uh, the tabernacle and all, you know, that little convention. Mm -hmm. But uh, then even some of the other independent conservatives got involved. So I was invited to come preach, pre preach missions, but not always on Sunday. I couldn't be gone that many Sundays. But I spent lots of Tuesdays and Wednesdays, fellowship meetings, explaining faith promise. And then when we had our own missions conference, it was done up big time. We, uh, and we especially invited preachers to come, and, and uh, we'd have a big, big mission rally, and preaching and singing and explaining and and uh, and we started having displays, you know, and all the things that you do to promote missions. Mm -hmm. So that's how Faith Promise got going. Right. So that uh, 
after a while, Eastside Baptist was uh, was not only giving our 20%, we never did drop our 20, 20% for the soldier, never did drop it, we kept it. Wow. Most churches have dropped their percentages when they have faith promise. Mm -hmm. We kept it 20% and we used it for home missions and all the money we got in faith promise, that went for foreign missions. Okay. So right. that's kind of how we divided it, but that's where it worked. Wow. And uh, so anyhow, you know, it was growing and growing. And so uh, by the time I came to Springfield, there were about 2,000 churches supporting missions, big churches like Temple Baptist and, and Akron Baptist Temple and all those other churches uh, that have been started and going forward. Well, your church was there. Right. It's going forth. All those churches. Uh, our church was number 16 of, of about 2,000 churches and, and the amount of money given to missions. Wow. Not only that, but we had young people surrendered to missions and we had we became descending church for uh, I think five families and two singles. Wow, that's so, amazing. Anyway, well, I it was just, a good. I have to tell you, I was a junior high age boy at Cleveland Baptist growing up there when uh, this concept was introduced to our church, and uh, it had it literally has uh, so impacted my life um, throughout the years. And Amen. you know, we got to a point when I was pastoring that you know we we uh, wanted to see a half a million dollars a year in missions, and we got there. <sighs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, before I resigned two years ago, we were almost at 600,000. Yeah. Well, uh, the pastor who happens to be my son this year just uh, mentioned to the church, we just went through our Faith Promise Conference, and the church gave almost $700,000 this year to missions. It's just amazing to see incredible. what God can do through churches that just say, hey, you know, we, this is, we believe this is what God wants us to do. And Amen. our people get so excited about it. It's just, it's amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? It is. It's amazing. Yes, uh, God just honors it. It's it's just it's Second Corinthians chapter eight, nine, and ten. Yes, sir. And uh, I often use a statement in conferences. I said, uh, "Faith promise is not a Baptist financial gimmick, but a revival of an old truth that has always been in the Bible. Mm -hmm. In particular, Second Corinthians chapter eight, nine, and ten, along with the along with the messages of our risen Savior." And I often say the Lord's last command should always be the church's first concern. There you go. There you go. Well, well, Dr. Brunster, we're going to wrap up here in just a, a few moments. But um, as you're looking over the landscape and, you know, you're seeing young preachers uh, coming up, uh, what, what would you say to them uh, as a man who's walked the path of, a, of an independent Baptist for, for decades, been faithful to the Lord? What, what would you say to a younger man to encourage them today who may be seeing some things going on in the world or maybe something that's even going on in, in the realm of uh, even, you know, faith, and they're a little bit discouraged. What, what would you say to them about, about just remaining faithful? Well, uh, it, it's hard for, for an old preacher to t tell the younger generation what you think, you know, but yeah, but basically, if you to be faithful, number one, to stay faithful means that you have to stay anchored to the book, to the Savior, and to the work that God's called you. If God's called you to pastor, or called you to preach, then there is no there is no retreat. Right. No retreat. Right. But it takes a lot of concern. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. If young preachers and uh, students, if they don't study the Bible and keep studying the Bible, they will get discouraged. Mm -hmm. And and so it, and this is a hard time to pastor. I'm not one to say that it, uh, that it's easier today with all the modern convenience of pastor than it was 60, 70 years. This, by the way, is my 75th year of ministry, Lord willing. Wow. But uh, 
it, it's 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 harder now. It wasn't easy back then, but uh, but you knew where you stood, and people knew where you stood. If you take your stand without compromise, uh, there will people that will come rally to you. Plus, also I say you need young preachers, every preacher, young or old, however, he needs to stay in the field soul winning. Mm. Our Sunday schools are declining, and if you don't have a growing Sunday school, you will not have a continuing church. Mm -hmm. Oh, the church will last as long as that particular generation is there. But so many of the churches that I'm invited to preach in now, close to home, because I don't travel as much as I did in the past, uh, even though the last two weeks I've been in Dallas and I've been in Indianapolis, but anyway, uh, uh, the churches have gone down, we've got beautiful buildings, and down to just a handful of people. And, and no children, no Sunday school, mm. or rather or, or have Sunday school, but uh, it, it's just not, it's not on fire. Yes. You just have to have a live wire soul winning Sunday school. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's just uh, to build a church. Yeah. But it has to be done to, to the Lord, and you know it as well as I do, better than I do, that uh, the Great Commission has never been canceled. The Holy Spirit hasn't passed away. And so we just need to just depend upon God and the Word, just like we did 75 years ago and before yes, and sir. since. Yes, sir. That's, it just has to stay with it. And well, when I, discouragement I, comes, uh, and so you just get, and I think every preacher ought to have a, a mentor, someone that not discouraged, because one discouraged preacher will discourage another one. Sure. You be crying on his shoulder all the time. Mm-hmm. But stay, try to stay positive, stay connected. Uh, in chaotic times, and we've had a terrible back year, 20 was a 20, 20 was a bad year mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, look, this was just an example of your own church. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Folger, all the years that you've taught and preached missions and the people have rallied to it, and you haven't got anybody in that church gone broke or on welfare because God blessed them. $700,000, unbelievable. Well, that's not unbelievable. It's only a miracle of God. Right. Well, we often say you cannot give God, and it's pretty pretty clear that you can't. That's for sure. Well, I said uh, at the when we talked about your su- service to the U.S. military, uh, when we talked about that in our first segment, I, I said thank you for your service. And I want to thank you for your service through the years, Brother Boonster, to our Lord and Savior. Uh, you know, while I, I appreciate your service to our, the military and to our country, um, even more so, I, I appreciate your faithfulness as a young man uh, going through Baptist Bible College at, back in the 70s. You were there at the mission office, and, um, you know, I've watched you through all these years uh, since then, all 40, almost 43 years for me now in ministry, and you've just been a faithful man, stood by the right stuff, and always stood with principle, and I appreciate that with a right spirit. And so I want to thank you for your service. Thank you for just... Uh, kind of walking the path to, to give us an example to follow. Thank you, Brother Folger. Thank you for your kind words. Yes, sir. And it's only by the grace of God. I'm a sinner saved by grace, as you know. Yes, sir. And I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to share whatever blessing there is out there. And we're going home. All of us are going home soon. The Lord's coming. Yes, sir. My days are very soon, I'm sure. Yes, sir. And, but uh, uh, it's been a good journey. I, I can't complain. God's been good. I miss my wife. She's been gone three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And of course, living alone and so forth gets lonely. But but I thank God for preacher friends I have and church members, friends and so forth. God's good. And so 
Until he comes, we just have to keep pressing on, pressing on. For sure. Keep looking up. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for this conversation. And I want to say thank you uh, in particular, kind of a shout out to your pastor, Brother Jeff Abrels, for uh, arranging this for us to be able to uh, have this conversation. And to all our listeners, we want to say thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll come back next week when we have another conversation with someone who's laboring the harvest for the Lord. We hear about their story. Until then, have a great day. God bless you. Well, the last three weeks have been a real blessing as we've had the opportunity to visit with Dr. Carl Boonstra, a man who has been so faithful to serve the Lord for 75 years. Uh, God has blessed him with 96 years of, of vibrancy, and uh, Lord willing, perhaps he'll make it to 100 if the Lord doesn't come, and God sees fit to allow him to do so. I would encourage you that if you're interested in perhaps having Dr. Boonstra to your church, he still does travel, but he needs, uh, of course, some assistance. And if you're maybe in the Missouri area, or the Oklahoma area, uh, you can reach out to Pastor Jeff Abels at the Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri, and he can put you in contact with Dr. Uh, Boonstra about the possibility of perhaps coming to your church to be an encouragement and help to your folks. You can hear, of course, God has still given him a sharp mind. He still has the ability to communicate effectively from the Word of God. And I know he'll be a blessing to your church and to you as an individual. Once again, this is Kevin Folger with Labors in the Harvest podcast. We hope that you'll join us again next week as we start another conversation with someone who's faithfully serving the Lord in the Lord's harvest. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. Mm-hmm.